Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I am your host, Ben Kreider, and today I'm going to be talking about if the Oklahoma City Thunder has formed its identity for the year, as well as going over tonight's Thunder Los Angeles Lakers game. But just hopping right into the gist of things, talking about the OKC Thunder's identity, entering this year, it kind of not a lot of sense of direction here other than that we were trying to develop the young players on the roster and just see where it took us. I mean, a lot of different combinations. You got old guys like Al Horford and George Hill on the roster paired with SGA, paired with Baisley, Dort, and I mean, even the emergence of some like Diallo coming off the bench. So there was not a lot of stuff to be talking about going into the year other than just questions. There was not a lot of just statements that were factual. Like everything was just up in the air, right? And I think through these first 22 games, we have learned a lot about this OKC Thunder team. The Thunder have gone 10 and 12 through their first 22. That's a record that I don't think anybody in the sports betting industry would even consider. I don't think as a fan, uh, 10 and 12 is what people were imagining. Personally, I thought they were going to win, I think I said like 20 to 30 games by the end of the year. Uh, if it was, it was like a super duper huge range. So if I end up hitting it, I'm not going to act like I'm all that smart, but I, I definitely thought they were going to be a lot lower than 10 and 12 right now, but it's been a pleasant surprise. You should not be complaining about this, and I think it's because they have just completely changed how they played these past couple of weeks, and I'd say around the new year mark, that has just evolutionized their play and gotten them much closer contests and even victories. Seemed like early on in the season, the OKC Thunder were just trying to create back and forth battles with teams. If teams were going at it from downtown, OKC would go into the half court and just jack up a shot instantly. They weren't really looking for their own shot. There was not their own style, and that was to be expected. I think Mark Dagnalt even mentioned that they would be tinkering with the rotation like weeks into the season, and that's exactly what ended up happening. And in those coming weeks, they kind of just decided, we don't have to be a follower. Let's try to be some leaders on the roster. And what they have done has been creating a heavily penetration-centric offense that has really just been dominated by the pick and pop and just a lot of drives from some of OKC's guards. The Thunder have been looking a lot for the drive in dishes, and it's really evident they are number one in the league when it comes to driving inside they put up 59 drives a game in second place they're like five drives behind them they only drive 54 times a night and it comes from the leader Shea Gilgis Alexander he is number one in drives in the entire league he was battling with Luka Doncic for weeks for this title Doncic was like point three or point four above him for most of the year but he's finally well yeah he's finally taken that rank from Doncic. SGA is averaging 23.9 drives a night. And for comparison, Russell Westbrook in his 2016-2017 MVP campaign drove just 20.1 times per game. And that was the league leading in that season. So, you know, I thought that Russell Westbrook drove in pretty much every time he touched the ball. 
looking at it and seeing in comparison just how many more drives SGA has been doing than Russ has or Russ had in that year, it's mind-boggling. And it just shows you the kind of potential SGA has as a driver and how comfortable he has looked to continue to drive 23 times a game. And even off the bench, we have seen the emergence of Hamadou Diallo driving inside. We've always seen him as a driver, but never really trying to work like as a passer at all. He has driven in 6.3 times a game, and I think Maladon as kind of the secondary or primary, depending on the situation, ball handler in that second unit, he's been averaging around five. So everyone's kind of getting in the conversation there. You still got to mention guys like Baisley and Hill, even Dort, they're all averaging five plus drives. So just a lot of different guys who have shown the potential to try to get buckets while crashing inside. I think the kind of pecking order that we've seen specifically from SGA has been this. He wants to go in for the drive pretty much 10 times out of 10. Whether it's coming off an ISO or coming off a screen, he wants to be in attack mode. Now, if someone's doubling him off that screen, he's going to pass it back out to the top of the key or wherever the screen man was. If it was a pop, if it's Muscala, if it's Al Horford, Roby, doesn't matter. He's going to try to pass it back out there and if they feel confident, they're going to go up for the shot. Al Horford has looked beautiful off the pick and pops. He's leading the team right now in three-point percentage. Muscala is not that far behind. And Roby, he's kind of been dipping his feet in the water when it comes to shooting downtown. Getting used to the rhythm of it. He's not been playing that bad, I'd say, from outside either. So SGA's been getting great looks for other players. But let's say that they do stay home and it's a one-on-one. He's going to continue to drive, and he's going to look to either kick it out to one of the corners if there's help defense coming from either side. He's looking at the corners. If he doesn't see the help defense, he's going into attack mode and going up for the layup or shot. Whatever he wants to do, he's going to be getting a shot up on you if there's no help. And one-on-one, you're going to be taking SGA pretty much every single time. Now, if there is the off chance where nobody helps out, and there is lockdown defense. SGA, he's not really the one who would like force up shots. You know what I'm saying? He would back it out, maybe work in the mid-range, or just pass it out to another player outside for a potential drive, or just go back in the half court. And you kind of just rinse and repeat that little process over there. I think when you throw in guys like Hamadou Diallo, he kind of changes the order of what he goes for. I think he goes up a lot of times into one two or even three guys like if someone's open in the corner he may still just be feeling it and go up for shots himself sometimes he may not hit the guy at the top of the key but he's been getting very good at it and I think that's something that has kind of just been ingrained in all these guys play they're looking on the passes whenever they're going into the basket and that's something that quite frankly we did not see a lot from Billy Donovan at all in his tenure with the OKC Thunder I think the pinnacle of this style of play was actually showcased on Saturday night against the Minnesota Timberwolves, specifically in that first half. I mean, putting up a record high of 83 points in the first and second quarter. Obviously, you're going to see a lot of success, but it wasn't just like they were finding their mark from one area. No, there was a variety of shots going on from everywhere. They were 10 of 19 from three. That's 53% from downtown. They had 32 points in the paint and 19 free throw attempts. 
That is crazy. And the reason you're seeing so many points in the paint and so many points from the free throw line is because they were in straight on attack mode. They were trying to pick up contact against these Timberwolves players. And because of that, the refs, they got to put the air in the whistles. They were going penetration after penetration, backdoor cuts, movement all around. And in the half court offense, this floor is so spaced out, it allows for one-on-ones inside or just off of cuts. And Mike Muscala, he was the pleasant surprise in the game. He had 16 points solely just off inside shots to begin the game. And a lot of them, they came off of and ones. Same goes with Kenrich Williams. He was the king of backdoors. He shot four of five in that game on eight points. But it really does not come down to just this one game. We've been seeing this more often than not in these past few weeks where the offense is kind of just centered around everyone being spaced out, letting SGA or whoever run the floor and then go on from there. All the looks we've seen this season have been better than we've seen probably in a long time for this franchise. And it's very promising because all these guys are so young and the fact they have been able to execute so well, I mean, they're just going to continue to keep growing and growing to the point where, you know, if all five of these guys are throwing on the court. If you're leaving them open from three, they're going to kill you. So you need to play up on them. And then you got ISO players such as Diallo and such as SGA who you can't stop one-on-one. So the options are really becoming deadly when you think about it. And it's just going to become harder and harder. Even when you see players such as Dort who has seen very good time penetrating to the basket and Darius Baisley who has shown flashes of potential going inside. If they can continue to grow and picks can start coming in, who can drive and facilitate, it's going to be a major problem for other sides of the team. And you can even look at players. I mean, Ty Jerome, he's more of like a slow down half-court player. He can be nice in the pick and roll, though. Maladone, he has shown to be excellent in the pick and roll. He's not as fast as SGA. He's probably not a one-on-one guy, but he works in the high ball screens and he can still operate kicking out to the corner. That was one of his best tendencies. Pokachevsky, I don't really know what to make of him yet when it comes to facilitating and ball handling, but it was something that was really highly touted coming out of Europe. And how about Vit Kregi? I mean, he is hurt right now. He's still recovering. Uh, I believe it was from like an ACL injury. But we got him in the second round. He's like a six foot eight demigod. He is athletic. He's great at driving, playing against people who probably are going to be like four to five inches shorter than him. Do you really think he's going to be bothered when it comes to driving in? If it's one on one, he's not going to be contested by these smaller guys. And he has a pretty nice handle, and he's even shown he can shoot it a little bit. Now, he's probably going to have to grow. Uh, maybe when he returns, maybe he might have to play with the blue. Or you could see him with like a two-way deal. He may just automatically get jumped up to the, the first roster because he does have a lot of uh, a lot of good traits to him. But if he's able to get back to his usual self, there is a real piece there as a potential orchestrator of the offense. So a lot of different pieces you can talk about. And then the surrounding guys, they have all shown an ability to knock it down from outside. So very, very happy stuff to see from the team. And then even looking defensively, this is a unique group of players. And it allows for defensive switching from the one through five positions. Saw it in Minnesota. 
I mean, you got players like SGA and Maladon, even Jerome. They're all six foot five. They can play the one or two positions. Lou Dort, you put him on anyone you want, pretty much. He should be able to clamp him down. He's a superstar stopper. One through four, I'd say you'd be good to go with Dort. Kenrich Williams, you can put him at the two through four. I mean, we saw him at the two, looked better than ever. Playing at the three looks great, and even at the four, he holds up very well. So the amount of effort he brings really helps out, and it allows him to be very versatile when going up against other players. Same with Isaiah Roby. He can play the three through five. We saw him more in the four and five positions, but moving down to the three on Saturday, he looked very comfortable. In the five position, it's a bit risky because he can get out-rebounded and people can just shoot over him. But he can block shots. He can still contest. And I mean, on the other side, if he can get the three ball, these traditional centers could not be able to stop Roby because he can drive in and he's going to blaze right by you. And he can't pass. Good, good enough distributor. So if there's any help, you're going to get a wide open look. If not, he's just going to drive in and sledgehammer it down. We saw that when he broke Nikola Vucevic's ankles last month. And he just took it inside and jammed it. So you can see a lot more plays like that if you see Roby continuing at the five. At the four, I've just always seen him there when he's not at the five. But at the three, I mean, he's fast enough. He's got the frame of a three. Played very well. Three steals, three blocks on Saturday. Hopefully, Roby can continue to play at the small forward position. And even Muscala, traditionally been a four, been looking fine as a five and even looking down at players such as diallo justin jackson and darius miller they can take brief stints of playing out of position there and we saw it long term i think diallo played 35 plus minutes at the one did a hell of a job there and i think the only person on this entire roster who may hinder the thunder's ability to switch all the time is al horford just because he's like 34 years old at this point, not very mobile. He needs to be playing at the true five. And if you take him on to any other position, he's going to become a liability. And it's something to monitor with him. I don't really know long-term if Horford is going to be a part of the future. I mean, we got him locked up for, I believe this is the first of our three seasons we should have him under deal. I don't know if he gets traded or not, or if we just stick it out with him. He's been a very good piece, no doubt about it. But if they want to really commit to this switching one through five philosophy, Horford probably is not part of that. Uh, you need to be looking towards other more athletic players, whether it's through the draft or through free agency. I think ideally you're looking at a guy like Christian Wood. I mean, he is probably the prototype for the future big man you're going to see. He's like six foot ten or whatever, but he's crazy fast, crazy athletic, and he can shoot. That's the kind of guy you want because he's able to play very solid, I'd say. I think Wood, he's a great shot blocker. I don't really see him getting bullied by any of these bigger centers. So someone who can hold up against bigger guys, but on offense, he's just a complete mismatch. You want to be looking at players like that, and if you can find that at the five position, this whole entire roster just gets so so much better and it gives you 48 minutes of this kind of style of basketball i think the future of how the thunder have been playing 
is beautiful. Uh, we have just been looking at isolations for about three to four years at this point. Great to see a change of pace with this roster. And with so many young pieces, the combinations are endless with the team. But just assessing the team by a game-to-game -game basis, got to be looking at tonight's matchup. The Thunder are going to be going to the Staples Center for another baseball series. They're going to be matching up against the Lakers tonight for Game 1. It's going to be at 9 p.m. Central. So this is going to be a very late night if you want to be catching the Thunder game. The Thunder, they got a couple players out here. Mike Muscala, he got that dirty shot from Jaden McDaniels in the fourth quarter last game. Mean elbow. He's in concussion protocol. Isaiah Roby's out with a foot injury. And Teo Maladon. He was cleared to play in Saturday's matchup. Uh, beforehand, I think he was thrown in the health and safety protocols by the league. And then he just snatched him right back in. So I don't know what happened from Saturday to now. Or if the league just made a little hiccup and they shouldn't have had Maladone playing on Saturday. But he can't play again due to health and safety. So you got to take him out of the equation. And then you also got to take into account George Hill. He's out for a while. And Trevor Reza, he's going to be gone. But the Lakers, they got a lot of doubt in the air. I mean, the Thunder have four guys they know will be out. Not the same case for Los Angeles. And it starts with their two stars. LeBron James, he's probable to play. He has a knee injury. And Anthony Davis, he is likely going to be out of this game with a leg injury. Two guys you know that are going to be out, though. Jared Dudley, he's got a calf injury. And Kostas Adentacumpo, he is out with a knee injury. And this is a big time boost for this Thunder team. If one out of the two of LeBron and AD will be gone, if there's going to be one gone, probably going to be Anthony Davis. All the reports have kind of inked him to not playing in tonight's game. It would just be LeBron James. Anthony Davis was a major pain in the first meeting between these two teams. The Lakers won that one 128 to 99 back when they played and Anthony Davis he was pretty much unstoppable 25 minutes he went for 18 points off 8 of 13 shooting so there was not an answer for AD with him out it's going to promote Montrez Harrell to the starting unit which you know I mean Montrez Harrell is a pretty good guy so it's not a big hit but at least they don't have the sort of depth that has been possible whenever Anthony Davis has been with them. And even, you know, if LeBron James is out, that should help out a little bit too. I wouldn't be banking on LBJ not playing, but you never know with this one. I think if the Thunder want to take the game though, they got to be stopping the paint. And they allowed 56 points in the paint in the first meeting. Davis, as I mentioned, he went off for 18 points. But how about Montrez Harrell? Harrell actually played better than Davis in the first meeting. And he had 21 points off 8 of 12 shooting. He didn't have to step outside for anything. He was just getting what the defense gave him. I think he was going up against primarily Isaiah Roby in this game. Yeah, this was one of the games where Isaiah Roby actually had to start in place of Al Horford. So that's kind of maybe why all the buckets... We're coming in so close to the rim for 
all the Lakers guys. Al Horford's going to be here for the Thunder, so maybe it's a bit more of a struggle for the bigs to find their rhythm, and that's exactly what needs to be happening if OKC wants any chance. The Lakers, they'll kill you from downtown. They have a ton of different shooters on their team. They shot 46% in the first game. I mean, LeBron, he kind of went crazy. If you guys remember, he had five three balls against us. I don't expect that to happen again if he does play, but you still got Dennis Schroeder to worry about. You got KCP off the bench. You still got to mention Markeith Morris. You got Kyle Kuzma, Alex Caruso, and you know, even Taylor Horton Tucker. He has a bit of a sneaky stroke to himself. So you need to shut them down from the paint, probably force them outside. They're pretty good outside though. Um, I mean, you kind of just got to take a gamble there. I'd rather have them having a bit of contest from the three-point line than a bit of a contest inside. They're not going to be missing shots around the basket. So locking them down, that is going to come up very big for the team. And also just hustling. Saw it against the Timberwolves. Need to see it against one of the league's best in the LA Lakers. They only forced nine turnovers in that game one matchup. And they had only four steals. They were out-rebounded 50-42 to 42 as well. So every hustle stat you can probably imagine, the Thunder ended up getting ousted by the Lakers. That cannot happen. They need to win all those matchups very handily. They need to get more blocks. They need to get more steals, more turnovers, more deflections. Every nitty-gritty stat you can think of, Oklahoma City needs to be taking the cake on it. And Kenrich Williams... He was an absolute leader against the Timberwolves when it came to hustling, scrapping up six boards in the final fourth uh, quarter. I think he had nine in the whole entire game. But just things like that. People need to be having that style of play where every possession feels like their life is depending on it. You know, you're getting it from Dort Williams. How are we going to see it from SGA? He, he was in survival mode on Saturday, and he saved the Thunder. I don't want to say saved because... I mean, everyone was playing their part, but he was the real leader, the commanding force that got them the W, so he was nice. Just depends on how everyone else on the floor is able to kind of compete with them. Every single second is going to count when you're playing against a team with such a high level as the Los Angeles Lakers. Their whole entire roster, pretty capable of starting on our team, to be quite honest with you. Very decked out. So many different options. You need to be limiting them all. And it starts with dominating when it comes to the little stuff. You go from the little details and then you kind of surface those out to the bigger parts of the game. When you're talking like points, for instance, that's kind of a big one to be the leader in. But yeah, just making sure that you're not able to let them get comfortable at all. Defensively, you will need to be strong. They had 25 points off turnovers on Saturday. Can they do it again? They didn't definitely did not have 25 points off turnovers back when they last played. This is going to be their chance with a shrunken down roster. This is going to be the biggest spotlight most of these guys have had with the team so far. I mean, Minnesota, if you're playing a lot more minutes, that's a huge deal. But now you're going against last year's NBA champions. You're looking at one of the greatest of all time in LeBron if he plays. Anthony Davis if he plays. Even Harrell, Schroeder, everybody. A lot of different guys you need to be worrying about. And it's going to be a difficult task for all 
of the members of this Thunder squad. But if they're able to rally around each other as they did against Minnesota, you should not be counting them out of this contest. It's going to be a fireworks show to watch tonight. If you guys are able to stay up, uh, like, like, like I said, this is a late game, but whatever. I'm definitely going to be staying up for it. I'm going to be talking about that game tomorrow, and I hope you all will tune in to that one. But other than that, guys, that is going to wrap up today's podcast. I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.